Oh wow, what a question. Uh, it's, a, it's a combination of things, obviously. Uh, I'm 52, so <laughs> there's a lot of things that are accumulated from the, you know, from my childhood until now. But for the most part, uh, it's living in different cultures, what made me who I am right now. Being, uh, so, you know, leaving my country, my homeland, and uh, traveling and living in different countries and different cultures. Uh, getting to know the local culture and the language and uh, sort of an even like my, my education was between uh, Europe and North America. Uh, so I travel a lot and I live in different places and uh, so that sort of uh, made me more, I guess, uh, worldly or more open to, you know, like, um, different types of uh, belief system and ethnicities and culture and I feel like I consider myself uh, like when people ask me what your accent is from I can't really know what it is exactly but it's very hybrid because I speak different languages and I and I live in different places so I don't know if I belong to one location so that might I feel like my personality is, is fundamentally changed because or or was established really based on on that that's the, the first thing the second thing is, is uh, um, uh, like both. I, I feel that I I can connect with the art scene and artists and, and the art world, being an artist myself. But at the same time, I'm very business oriented um, because of my upbringing, my, my family, my father. He's very uh, business like person, so uh, I kind of learned from him a lot about the, the business side of things and being entrepreneur uh, and being very organized and sort of leadership and all that. Uh, in addition to that, you know, being an artist like on, on both sides of the spectrum. So I feel like I'm, I'm kind of a, a combination of several different things, both sides. So now you've given voice to this business element and this artistic element and your background a little bit. Are there any other, say, aspects which you feel speak a little bit more to that personal level? Well, so I, before having a family, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, mostly was focused on the creativity part. Uh, and, and I worked for a while creating illustration and, uh, mostly like using the uh, conceptual design to um, communicate ideas and working with clients. And that's what I studied. Um, and that's what sort of influenced me ma mainly is sort of the, the design element of illustration, minimalism and, and conceptual design and try to communicate uh, stories and ideas using aesthetic of design and color, shape, etc. Um, and then you know, things start to develop more, and um, after having a family, it's added more to my responsibility, uh, and also as an educator, uh, it added even more more channels to, to my role, I guess, in life in general. So I, I sort of don't focus as much as I used to before in the creative process. I still do that, uh, but I do less of it than before because I have... Uh, you know, teaching responsibility and and uh, family responsibility, and also my agency that takes up a lot of time uh, to be you know working with all the artists that I represent and and the logistics aspect of it. So 
it's not as 100% pure as it used to be before where I only dedicate myself to my art. Now I'm dividing myself into different different layers, different responsibility, wear different hats between an artist and an educator and a, a father and a, an uh, artist representative. That's that's what made things a bit more more complex and and uh, keeps me very busy. And are you happy with that balance? I'm very happy. Yeah, I think it's important to 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 add more layers to your life as you get older you gain more experience and you start thinking less of yourself as a unit uh, and more uh, within within the, the community and uh, as a natural way of developing you know as humans get older they gain more experience from life and they give it back when you're 20 you're thinking about yourself mainly uh, your own yeah. future, your own education, your own your own well-being. Then slowly, as you get older, you meet more people and you become more in charge of them, in charge of their education, upbringing, uh, and, and then which adds more is sort of also you know my relationship with my students and being responsible to educate them um, and advise them, um, and then. And then my agency added to the responsibility. So I'm, I'm comfortable in the sense that I'm, I'm following what I want to do, what I planned on doing. And I kind of like always thought of ideas and plans and really worked hard to establish it. And just made my life more more busy, more layered. Uh, and you gain more layers as you get older. You get more, more um, things to do and more things to be uh, in charge of. But obviously it becomes also more complex. And uh, But you end up you end up picking and choosing your moments uh, when you have when you're 20. You have more time, and you you're kind of careless. Uh, you're worried about yourself, but the main main thing, worry about everything. Uh, and as you get older, you get calmer. Uh, and I feel like uh, the more responsibility I have, the the more calm I become in terms of choosing or getting less stressed and choosing my priorities and taking it easy because it's like one life we live. Is enjoying it as much as I can while maintaining my my responsibility towards my artists, my students, my family, and myself. But I'm not the focal point of, of me anymore. So and I'm, I'm quite comfortable with this. It's just a natural thing for me how it developed. That is quite beautiful. I like having more of these conversations today, especially when people are realizing that if I cover my own basis you can really expand and not have to worry about yourself anymore and go out into the world and just yeah. expand in that way. Yeah, it's like you, when you're 20, you have a bubble around you and you are in the center of that bubble. And then you get older, the bubble around you gets bigger and you start to invite more people inside of it uh, without losing track of your well-being. I mean, you have to be happy with yourself and you have to be content uh, and you have to be... Uh, you're taking care of yourself, your physical self and your emotional self, uh, obviously, because otherwise it will affect the people in the bubble. And so when you're comfortable and you're taking it easy, you start to invite more people in. Yeah. The important people in your life, in your circle, you know, I call it bubble, I guess a circle, it's the sort of people who are connected with you. And I make sure that I don't in invite many people at a time. Like I try not to overwhelm myself, which means I... 
I try to focus on an activity, one activity at a time, uh, instead of multitasking and losing track of uh, what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm, I'm very focused. Uh, and what helps me is that not just naturally, by like, from the beginning, from, from my childhood, I've always been organized. Um, so systematic with the time that I divide and how I invest in each moment and each activity. So if I'm doing sports, I'm just focusing on that. I'm not thinking about anything else. If uh, if I'm designing, if I'm drawing or painting, I'm only focusing on the creative side. Uh, and all the other stuff is like on standby until I finish my task. And uh, when I'm working on my agency, I'm focusing on my clients, my artists, without thinking about other things. So, although the bubble gets bigger and more people come in in that bubble, I try to make it not too overwhelming. That the ratio of space to human aspect ratio is is there's an equilibrium between between that uh, the time that I have, and I try to not rush things, and I try to enjoy the moment at the same time. Yeah. That we don't exceed your own human capacity. And then exactly. everything, when you're aligned, nothing feels like it's too much. You've shown up for yourself in that way so that therefore you can show up in the world in that way as well. And yeah. I feel like it's a skill that we've also lost to just stop multitasking. Think about that longevity of brain health as well. And just really hone in on what you're doing in the moment. I know we talk about presence so much, but I feel like that presence is more so a focus of I'm going to meditate or I'm going to journal. And like you're saying, that's very much more so connected to your younger years when you're doing all these practices and trying to figure yourself out. But when we come to what you are doing right now with intention and presence and no longer being that island. Yeah, true. And also, I feel like the uh, we are in general. I am influenced by my space. So, so when things are chaotic in my house or in my studio, I, I feel anxious. So it's important for me when I'm working or when I'm thinking or when I'm, the way I'm, I'm living that I'm living in a space that that is organized and that there's a certain order and hierarchy. Uh, like even as, as an example, as my inbox, my email. If I open my email, I, I always try to sort of like reply or delete, but not leave things unopened in my inbox because that will stress me out. So I can't do that I, either. That was that. I can't do that either. Everything has to be compartmentalized. Yeah, exactly. Because otherwise, you distract. So, so I don't like to clutter things. I don't like to keep things if I'm not using them. Like I recycle them or give them away or. Uh, so I try to live a minimalistic lifestyle. Uh, even with my design, I like I like to work with minimalistic colors and shapes. So even with my, with my house, my studio space, my laptop, I uh, although I'm, I'm responsible of a lot of things, I I like it to be. Otherwise, I can't work. I cannot function if there's chaos around me. I mean, some people work better with chaos, and in my case, my inbox has to be always updated with very few emails waiting for me to answer uh, on a daily basis. And my space where I'm working, everything has to be arranged and documented and things that I don't need to have access to. I do not want to see them on my desk. Like for the most part, my desk is empty and there's no clutter on it. 
And so that helps me focus on the activity without getting distracted. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. It's funny because the music I listen to is very chaotic and it's very loud and it's very the opposite, you know. Um, and I do enjoy the art, uh, art that is very intense and uh, very detailed. But I don't do it. I just enjoy it. Uh, and the same thing with music. I don't play music, but when I do listen to music, whatever, uh, I I enjoy chaotic, loud type music which is the opposite of, of how I am yeah I mean even down to I don't know if you're like this as well but when it comes to groceries I'm like I don't I don't like waste it if I am good for the next three to four days just like arrange yeah. that this is it's good I don't need to like have shopping carts full I don't want any waste I don't want to over exceed even with clothing it's like if it fits into a carry-on that's what I want yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. That makes you feel more at peace. Um, and there's so many options in this world. I mean, you go to the supermarket or you go to clothing stores. So many options, and it's really hard to be minimalistic today. We have so much information, and so many you know people wanting your attention, and so many options to to purchase different items and different colors and shapes, and sizes. But uh, you know, it's sort of becomes uh, a habit of just like ignoring everything and just focusing on the one thing that you need or the item of clothing that you mostly wear and just remove things or just give things away. I think that also is um, a cornerstone in being in touch with your own gut and intuition and, you know, staying in your essence where you aren't running on external anymore. You're just an internal dialogue. You're going off of that and when it comes to trends, I don't quite understand them either. It's, it's like, why would I buy the next trend or only foresee myself in this for so long and be so reactive rather than proactive or know myself to the extent with which I can invest in good, sustainable, longevity pieces and for years just be fine with that. Yeah, exactly. And, and you, you, as you get older, you become more picky with what you want to uh, adopt even with people like uh, you know where you're younger you, you know so many people but it's all about knowing as many people as possible you have people that you don't even know their names but you know them uh, and they're surrounding you and you're attending so many different parties and gathering and I feel like I don't know if it applies to everybody but I feel like as I, as I get older I'm, I'm more focused on fewer individuals in my circle and people that I want to talk to uh, and I become less interested in a crowd and, and more interested in, in fewer groups you know I guess uh, that's also part of it part of like decluttering you declutter objects you declutter people you declutter information you know like you I visit few sources online for example I don't try not to drive myself crazy with too many news channels and uh, you know, and the, the, we have options in entertainment and music and news and every source. There's so many things. You go to a city and you want to go to every restaurant and museum and park, and then you don't get to enjoy, you get exhausted. So, like, even when I travel, I make plans of just like doing a few activities and make sure I get enough uh, focus on, on each activity or location or museum or restaurant and, and sort of do less but more meaningful, I guess. This is part of growing up, maybe. 
Yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't know about you and how you grew up um, in terms of your friendship groups, but I've always had four, t yeah, just four good solid friends, and for the rest, I kind of stopped right there with really bringing any more people into my life in terms of friendships. I saw that there was so much fluff dialogue going on between other kids my age, and I, w I just didn't understand in terms of why would I tire myself out with people that I'm not really connecting with on a deeper level and I'm not enjoying my time with and I just have had the same friends since I was five and that's that's been yeah, it they, they live on the other side of the world but zoom yeah, FaceTime <laughs> that's great that you did that because you, I guess you, you identify these people early at early stage and you, you chose your friends wisely from the beginning and you stuck with them. In my case, it was different. It was the opposite. It was like I was just, you know, 20, teenager at 20 years old. So they were like, the more people you know, the better. And a lot of them come and go in your life and they don't add anything to it. So I did it gradually, not like you. I did it sort of like as I get older, I would just focus more on fewer people. I would like to know, stepping back into that creative um, Lane, what is your earliest memory with, I don't know, picking up a pencil or a paintbrush or looking at color and just feeling so pulled towards it and fired up? Earliest memory, um, uh, I was in, as my childhood in Lebanon, and I grew up in Lebanon in the, uh, um, uh, in the 70s during the Civil War, and I would... Uh, pick up a pencil and a sketch, sketchbook and I would draw the what's happening during the war. So I would sort of, instead of writing, I would draw uh, like uh, panels, like graphic novel style panels describing uh, the war that's happening, the civil war and uh, its effect. And uh, so I would just draw what's, what's in the news and what's around me. That's how I started. I just started uh, doing less reading and more and less writing and more drawing activities or storytelling and, and characters um, and in a form of just pencil illustration, like a graphic novel style. That's my earliest memory. It was during the war. And then I discovered that I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed drawing the, the human form and I also enjoyed drawing stories, like story, visual storytelling. Um, and then I eventually started, uh, after graduating from high school, I, I got into university and, and started to, like, I would enroll in, um, in the creative program, studio program. That's how my, my, uh, path started with the art in college and then continued. And why did you decide to pivot into founding your own agency? So that's part of growing, but part of growing older, part of, part of uh, adding those layers I was telling you about. Uh, first, I was an artist and nothing but an artist, and and then I became an artist and educator. I added that new layer to my responsibility, and I, you know, been teaching uh, university level uh, at Savannah. And, yeah, yeah, at Savannah, and and that that sort of. Uh, you know, kept me busy, and it just—I didn't decide. I, it just kind of happened. A lot of things in my life sort of. It just flows. I, I wanted, 
yeah, yeah, I kind of it fits into right into the evolution of things, and I would you know. Uh, the agency started in 2012. It was just an, an idea. Like I said, my father always you know, talked to me about talking about the importance of of sort of uh, you know the business side of things and the art. I mean, he wasn't an artist, but he was a businessman, and so I kind of bridged the gap. I, I connected uh, the business side of things, the entrepreneurship, with the uh, with the art. I felt that, and I started 2013. I started with a very small group of artists, uh, like 15 of them, uh, myself included, just to, to to market and promote them and to connect them with clients and art directors. Uh, but how it started, I can't remember how it started. I mean, I kind of built the website and I put up their portfolios and then started to promote them. And I, I just like the idea. Um, like a, a, I guess uh, you know, being responsible or in charge of a small agency, and then start to grow on its own. You know, now with two hundred twenty artists in the agency, it's uh, and several agents and offices of different cities. It evolved just like uh, from two thousand thirteen until now. It's really evolved, and then uh, it, it, it's not. I'm not sure that things will even continue to evolve. I'm sure. Um, uh, but uh, it just happened, and I kind of work with it. Do you have more of a concrete vision of where you want to take it, or are you entirely open to just going with the flow? Um, I think the agency will be forever. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not planning on stopping what I'm doing. I really enjoy that that phase more than anything else. Um, there's a lot of rewards that comes from it. Uh, being able to create work uh, that is a commercial animation, uh, high-profile clients, uh, and you know also the rewards of meeting all the artists or the majority of artists that I represent, uh, traveling to meet them or or just getting to know them, even if I don't meet them face to face, getting to know them and the communication between all the cultures because the artists became more that the community or the uh, the, the, the agency is uh, made up of artists from all over the world, different languages, different culture, which goes back to my love of different cultures and travels. So sometimes I, you know, like I feel like I'm traveling through my agency. Uh, I'm getting to know people from different culture, different time zone, different languages, different personality, different age group, and and it's like a microcosm of uh, of the entire world in one agency. And that for me is the ultimate of the joy that I get from it. But but then also there is the you know the financial uh, benefit from that and the fact that uh, we're being, you know, we, we creating, we're responsible of, uh, of managing and uh, producing and, uh, um, you know, like working with great artists and great clients and high profile clients and, and we're, we're really busy with several different projects at a time, which really gives me joy, the whole thing. So my plan is just to continue forever until I don't exist anymore and probably someone need to uh, carry on, hopefully, uh, after me. And, and it should continue, it should sustain itself, you know, as long as, uh, 
as long as uh, there's still internet communication and as long as there's still need for visual communication, which will not go away from the beginning of civilization until now, is always need for visual communication and commercial art and storytelling. Uh, it's where so, the senses. Uh, yeah, yeah. So like, it's, 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 so far, you know, I will continue. And I th I'm sure at one point I will get so exhausted and old that I need to sort of slow down, but someone else will probably take care of it. I mean, I'm pretty sure you've heard of Hayao Miyazaki. He's retired at, he's retired around three times, I think, right now. And he's come back every single time. Really? Yeah. Yeah, some people retire too early and realize, wait a minute, that's not what I was, uh, I'm, I'm too, uh, they, they get bored of not doing anything. Uh, yeah, I don't think I will ever retire, because, well, retire, it's, it's not even a, I don't feel like it's a, it's a weight on my shoulder that I need to retire from. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, you just, you're just present in whatever you want to do, and you just go do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I make sure I have time for myself. Uh, I, I work a lot. I mean, in terms of the hours that I work, I put into it. But I think, you know, eventually, probably I will work less hours, but someone has to be replacing the, the, the amount of work that I do in order for it to sustain itself, because it needs a lot of attention. It yeah. can't just work on its own. And, and I, I and I make sure everything is in order. But it's a lot to handle between uh, logistical uh, aspect and relationship between clients and artists, and relationship between agents and artists and client, and the the uh, financial part and payment, uh, the business part, the everything, the creative part. So someone is. I mean, I, I I take care of it myself with with. with help of people, but if I you know, slow down, eventually someone needs to take the lead, uh, otherwise it, it, it won't work. But I, uh, the plan is just to continue, you know, well, hopefully. Yeah, from back end to front end, it's a living, breathing organism. It is, it is, honestly it is. And this organism just was created in a small like vacuum. Yeah, that's the like, beauty of it. Yeah, yeah, it was a vacuum. It was like sitting on a couch uh, on my laptop and uh, by myself and the computer. I mean, it's just, that's what it takes. And, and the desire to make something out of it. Uh, I mean, you know, the amount of hour I invested, but it was not, it's not a structure where it's not like a restaurant that you have to build and take a loan from the bank and hire the staff. I didn't do any of that. It's just all a vacuum started with a vacuum and, and, and it grew by itself internally, you start to multiply. That's where there is the intangible that crosses over with the tangible, where the yeah. corporeal world gives form to that intangible thing that we hold or are pulled to to develop. And, yeah. you know, you were just walking sometimes in the mist and we can only see the footsteps in front of us. And we can't really yeah. see the long-term vision, but yeah, yeah, yeah. surprises. Uh, thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of imagined it, like sort of before it existed. I imagined how it's going to be. I guess that's the intangible is the is imagining what it could be, and I had an idea of what it would happen and how, but I had no idea of how much time it would need to. Uh, 
you know, to breathe and and how many artists that will join uh, eventually. I had an idea that it, it will be a gallery and we will do some projects here and there. Um, and, and I kind of envisioned it in my head, the design of the website, the type of artists that I want to include, uh, how I'm going to connect them with the, with client. I envisioned all that. I had an idea, but, but the, the other surprise that came in is just the uh, the flux and the evolution that happened, you know, and the, the amount of projects, I guess, um, and, and so, you know, working at the beginning with a small client and then suddenly started to work with, uh, with really big industry, uh, that became overwhelming. And adding the element of uh, motion, animation to illustration as well, but it's not just the illustration part, but it started to grow in terms of like the different uh, you know, type of visual communication from infographics to animation and all that. Yeah, and seeing how, um, that's actually something I'm very interested in getting your perspective on, because right now, when I talk to my clients or brands approach me, there is a shift in dialogue, and they're seeing how, how can I actually best engage my consumer basis now that they're not so focused on a lot of this extra surface level stuff anymore they're asking deeper questions they're more focused on you know humble small living and less screen time how do we get to them um what's important to people and realizing that they themselves as a business aren't robots and that we are people catering towards people and so this language how have you found that in running the agency, connecting artists and the clients' design briefs to the needs and navigating that whole space? What's that dialogue look like? And have you, are there certain core aspects that you found are changing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the audience dictates the aesthetic. So a lot of time it depends if it's a book or it's a, a campaign. Uh, or if, if it's a non-for-profit organization, or if it's like a label, brand label, the client had, had always have a vision on who they want to show the, the work to, who they want to promote it to, or who they want to sell it to. And that, that decision, based on the age group and the ethnicity and culture, will have an impact on the type of art, whether it's a realistic art, or whether it's conceptual, or whether it's humorous or design, uh, and which will have an impact on the decision of which artists should be creating the artwork. Uh, and a lot of time, I mean, a lot of the projects we work on right now are also connected to the lifestyle that we're living, the, the pandemic, the products that we buy, uh, or the language that we're using to communicate, uh, maybe communicating lonely. Like we, we did a project recently with the Hong Kong uh, television network. Uh, about loneliness and being isolated, and we created the uh, illustration, animated illustration for for that, based on the topic, uh, which is like a documentary. Um, or I don't know. Sometimes we're like Toyota uh, in Germany has hired us to create an entire campaign uh, based on the gaming culture uh, or the characters from uh, a game, a video game. Uh, because
just the people, the uh, audience or the consumers are were gamers and are now ready to buy cars in this particular Toyota brand and uh, they start to, they wanted us to visualize and create the artwork based on that uh, style. It, it really depends on, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the demographics really important. You know, with book publishing, we get a lot of uh, manuscripts that uh, need to be illustrated in the form of a book, um, like textbook or children's book depending on like you know what is going on right now like uh, inclusive cultures are very important uh, making sure that the art uh, i guess represents uh, wide wider variety of ethnicities or even the artists themselves need to be from a certain ethnic group because they want to be more inclusive so that's the consideration people the audience the uh, you know culture the language everything is, is considered in the art form and, and the choice of the artist. Going through Elizu, um, there was, I'm seeing that it's the loneliness can kill and just going back to, I think that before COVID, we were slowly realizing that loneliness and human, even human touch, that's so vital as a child to the mother and that that is a language in itself and that loneliness is, it was an epidemic before anything else. And that we were really yeah, suffering right. from you're that. Right. Yeah, you're right. That was done before. That was, I, I, I think that was before, yeah, before the pandemic. Almost like they had this, uh, I can't remember, they, here we have it in the news section. Um, but they approached us before the pandemic, and it was based in Hong Kong. It's a Hong Kong channel, uh, and they, they wanted to talk about how a lot of people, they're feeling lonely, and how this could kill you. Uh, but that was even before being quarantined. Yeah, I mean, they're saying that, like, um, loneliness is in, I think it was a study that was released a year and a half ago. It said it's almost, it can almost be as bad as smoking 20 cigarettes a day. And I just remember being yeah. floored. It was insane. And how yeah. to see the effect of the isolation that's been going on with patients that are already suffering from dementia and that they are just categorizing the people who haven't died from COVID, but have, have you know, this excess death as like a byproduct of isolation. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I mean, it's not only that, there, there's always different types of, I mean, projects that are very marketing oriented, that they're, you know, the clients have been asking us to create. And uh, there's a lot of need for visual explainers too now with like apps um, and a lot of uh, like companies like uh, Amazon or Facebook uh, or indeed are creating like visual libraries. So all of them are, you know, we're working with all of these guys on creating visual libraries, sort of like, uh, like vector graphics explaining products or technology or human interaction and businesses or consumers with the aesthetic of like visual explainer as opposed to just text, you know, so most people are more people are more being uh, visually oriented. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of these more fluid human illustrations coming into say branding assets and libraries and community libraries, especially with Figma lately. And that you can just yeah. buy on Creative Market too. Just buy these entire packets of characters that you can just implement and 
it's it's yeah. really cool to see, but then also I'm seeing that there's this monotony that's starting to come in a little bit too, and that's why I really like Ilozu and the representation that you have, that there's still a diversity going on. I mean, the main trend right now is, is the kind of vector-flat graphics and also yes. realistic fantasy art, uh, concept art, gaming style. But what, what we do, and, and I make sure each and every artist that is invited in is quite unique, or at least that offers unique solutions. Uh, I'm very picky with who we represent and uh, want to make sure that, that I mean, there's a lot of trendy or non-trendy and personal and eccentric art and I, I you know I, I uh, you know I only invite artists who offer something new I guess to the agency and I don't want to be just like uh, you know having four or five different people doing the same thing uh, but the trend now is, is just that exactly I mean I put that much a lot of projects coming in to us is really could you create a lifestyle uh, narrative illustration that looks good on screen on an app when you shrink it down uh, or animatable, you know, vector? There's a lot of that, and there's less fine art, there's less uh, traditional sort of like watercolor or painterly work. Yeah, there's more of like a efficiency coming in. Yeah, but we'll come, I think we'll come back. Like. There's less clients asking for watercolor and acrylic paint or printmaking, uh, but I mean it's a cycle. It will come back. Yeah. Uh, but for now, the, you know, it's it's just that that clean look that is being desired for the most part in advertising, usually in advertising or in like visual libraries that those big companies are asking. But in children's book, let's say, or book cover art or. The public publishing industry is different. It could be a bit more uh, experimental, painterly, but also like the topic. Everybody wants to make sure every ethnicity is included in the illustrations. You know. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I I really would love to know who you're kind of geeking out about right now. Oh, uh, I honestly don't like. I, I don't. Uh, I don't reach out to to people. Like, there's a lot of amazing artists out there, but I think we have a, we have a good artists that are representative of, of every beautiful, gorgeous style. I honestly don't have a, an idea if I'm going to reach out to anyone. Usually, they, the artists email us. They email me like a request to join. And I go through a lot of portfolios. Like I would say maybe, on average, I would probably receive maybe 70 or 80 per week. Uh, a request to join, and um, you know, I look at them. Uh, but uh, then I think if I spot the right person, uh, and I will invite them in. But I'm really not. Uh, I don't look. I don't even have time uh, anymore. Unfortunately, like to just to browse and see more artists. You know, like what I have on my plate is, is enough. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I, I keep, like I said, I keep focusing on what I have instead of like looking up elsewhere what I don't have. That kind of applies the same thing to the agency. You know, what I have on my plate or in my agency is so satisfying that I need to pay attention to it. Then I would like to know, what are you into at this moment? Any, like, it could be anything. It doesn't have to be, it could be a, your favorite chocolate bar or a book that you're That's reading or it could uh, be... Three weeks ago, I woke up and I decided I want to drum. 
drum set. So I uh, I purchased a Ludwig drum set and I put it in my garage and I've been drumming. <laughs> if you want to know. <laughs> so I have I you learned any new songs? Yeah, yeah, I play along. I mean, I play along ACTC, I play along uh, Queen sometimes. I attempt Iron Maiden, drum along. Uh, yeah, I mean. Oh, Iron Maiden. What's your favorite song? Uh, my favorite song is uh, Two Minutes to Midnight. No, that's not my favorite song. Hold on, it's another one. Uh, I mean, I love all of them, but uh, I'm from the Beast, not really. Killer, Killer is really cool. Killer and <laughs> it's a bad title, uh, but oh no, wait, no. Uh, my favorite song. I'm trying to remember all the songs that I like, uh, but the one, Virus. Virus is a good one, and uh, Fear of the Dark is an awesome one, and uh, Hallowed Be Thy Name is number one. Actually, Hallowed Be Thy Name. Got okay. The one. And what do your what does your family <laughs> think of this? My what? My family? What think of this? Yeah, do your kids come in and they're like, okay, it's my turn. I'd love to smash them this drum set. No, they think I'm crazy. Uh, no, they, they, they listen to my kids. They listen to hip-hop. Like, I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, I look at them, I was like, you don't even know what you're missing. But no, um, no one drums. I mean, it's quite loud. I play in my garage, and it's, it's not soundproof. Uh, it's quite loud, so no one gets in when I'm playing. I have to put the... Uh, noise cancellation headphones first and listen to the music in my ear while I'm drumming so I can feel the beat of the drum and hear the music at the same time. Uh, but to the outside, all they hear is just drums, you know, so it's not just really loud. I mean, when you're uh, in the zone, nothing can get to you, and then you have other people who are just not in that bubble, and it's, it's so weird because my dad was a drummer and he would have his. Really? his sessions between meetings and working, but, and it was just, I don't know if you know Phil Collins and that one song yeah. where it goes, didn't, 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 didn't. Yeah. That part, it, uh, he would... It's in the air tonight. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, man, this is a hard one to do. He That's would just crazy. go for hours on end. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is he still drumming? Uh, well, he passed away a few years ago, but oh. um, he oh, was... Sorry. He was, yeah, he was yeah. an amazing dad. Yeah, well, at least he enjoyed that phase and no one bothered him. Uh, like, yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, it's, it's really a release of uh, tension. And I, I am in the zone when I'm drumming. I, I love it. I sometimes drum along, like, uh, I love this one, Set the Control for the Heart of the Sun, which is by Pink Floyd. And it just it just plays like a really quiet uh, tribal drumming. And I love it. Uh, check it out. Set the control for the heart of the sun. It's like from their live in Pompeii, nineteen seventy or something. Ooh. They played that by Pink Floyd. But yeah, that's what I'm into right now. I'm into this, and um, yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, there's so many different things that I'm doing, but uh, that's like my my thing when I go in the garage and start drumming. That's like uh, during the day, but my kids get irritated, obviously. <laughs> Okay, we all have our things. Right, right, right. There is one last question that I would like to ask. Um, and sure. it's in running the agency, being a dad, just 
being so immersed in language and dialogue. Are there any more questions that this has brought to the forefront that you would like to talk more about or ask you more about or just give more space to in your life? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound also cheesy. And I was like, oh, this is guy giving wisdom. At the we end. love cheese. Honestly, it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, cheese, I love cheese. So I'm into cheese as well. By the way, I'm into watermelon and, uh, and feta cheese together. It's amazing. If you haven't tried this combination. Uh, oh, oh, my, oh, yeah, yes, yes. But I love, like, nuts on it. I have had that, but, like, the walnuts. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Walnut. Well, walnut with blue cheese is nice and honey. Ooh. Oh, oh, pizza? Yeah, I tried that. Mm. But, you know, walnut, honey, and blue cheese combination, they go really well together. But feta cheese and, and watermelon is, is just... Especially in the summer is amazing. Ooh. But like in terms of, um, I think it's good to have a fixation over something. Anybody should have a fixation over one thing. One thing at a time though. Uh, like it, it could be something just meaningless or it could be like, I, I really, I really want to visit, let's say, uh, I want to, I want to have a house in the Caribbean as an example and, and build your entire energy into that fixation or having fixation you want to buy a motorcycle like a Harley Davidson motorcycle and get fixated over it I think fixation will lead to success like being basically by fixation I mean like having one goal and channeling all your energy your time your, even your thoughts into it even though you feel like you don't have the money to do it you don't have the means to do it but if you think about it so hard almost you know like uh, where you channel your time and energy and research, it will happen. It will. It will happen. There's no way you can fail. No, no, no. If you have the, as long as you're focused on it, if you focus on something that you must do, regardless of how impossible it sounds, if you only focus on, you keep hitting it like it's an arrow that you have a bow and arrow, and you keep at it and not look at any other target, just one target keep all your arrows going towards one target, eventually it's going to be bullseye. Yep. Right? Yep. So th that's what I wanted, I guess, uh, you know, maybe add. Uh, I mean, for me, it was building agency. Now I have, I have another fixation. I want to, you know, I want to I wanna have a, a house in the Mediterranean and a boat. I'm just fixated over that. I can't do it. It's impossible for me to do it now, but I'm fixated over it. And if I keep to get fixated over it and I, and I, continue living, it will happen, just like anything else, and I think everybody here, everybody can, should, or at least have a goal, have a goal in life, and not too many small goals, just one main goal, and put channel all your energy, instead of distributing it all around small, tiny goals, and losing track of what you like and don't like, and, and forgetting about it, you know? Yep. Yep, that's a good one. So, so that's my cheesy word of wisdom. Thank you. One of my fixations is people. That's why I love the podcast. Nice. I feel like that's probably, probably, did you also have that when you were starting the agency? That you just, with these artists that you were seeing, you were kind of fixated and you're like, I know how to help you or I know who to connect you to. And I would love to do that. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, 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 uh, when I, when I mean, the second year after I started the agency, I, really wanted to invite this artist, uh, Derek Riggs, 
And Derek Briggs is the guy, the artist who created all the Iron Maiden album covers. <gasps> so I was so in, I, like, I for no for no other reason that than that. And he cre he created all their visuals, their Eddie, the like, the mascot and everything. So I called him up. I think actually I emailed him first and called and then called him up and convinced him to join. And he wasn't in the mood, which is like, leave me alone, and we moved to California somewhere. And I convinced him. <laughs> so, and then he joined us for a few years. But it didn't work, it didn't work out because, uh, I don't know, I couldn't, I, I couldn't market his work. It wasn't really something. It was more for like a nostalgic reason and for the fact that I had so much admiration for the band that I wanted the artist who created the image of the band to join me. It was more like a challenge for myself, and I and I was able to do it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. He doesn't even he he's, he he changed. I mean, he does fantasy work right now, like kind of surreal stuff, but uh, nothing like the art that he created for Iron Man. I mean, that's also so cool just to see how fluid people are, and that.